Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Now, we, uh, we started a brand new series. And if you, if you want to, I want you to remember this because this is not something that applies just in church. This is something that we're talking about uh, applies every day. So we, I asked uh, Diaz to design some things, and she did, and, and they look great. So this is, this is our series title here this is a magnet it, it doesn't stick sometimes when you throw it hard but it's a magnet you put on your fridge there's a keychain that you can use they're out in the lobby at the at the counter if you would like to grab one of those why john why in the world would i want to grab one of these because i want you to remember what this is about so that you can apply it in your life every day 168 hours a day a day listen to me a week all right ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music uh, to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you just, um, Lord, I submit my mind and my heart uh, to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to your people today what it is that you want them to hear. And I pray, God, that you would help us not just to hear what you have to say, not even just to understand it, but, Lord, help us to have the courage and the humility to apply it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is the foundational scripture for the series that we're in called Covenant Life 168. CL 168. Here's the the premise. We can't afford to only be the church for one hour a week and ignore the kingdom of God for the other 167 hours. We have to leverage our one hour of corporate church to empower and equip the body to go and be the church for the other 167 hours of the week. We have got to become Covenant Life 168, a church that moves the needle on the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom, every hour of every week. Why? Because that scripture tells us time is short. Time is short. We have to maximize the opportunities that we have. And I believe that this Covenant Life 168 mindset is how we do that. 
Now, today we need to talk about what church membership looks like biblically. And I'll be honest, in, ten, in the 10 years that I've been here as the pastor, and, and probably in the 30 years that I've been in pastoral ministry, I'm not sure I've ever heard a message preached about church membership. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Because it's, the church membership now is so far removed from what it was supposed to be biblically that it's really kind of hard to even know where to start. So rather than try to deconstruct church membership and sort of uh, bust all of the myths that have gotten piled on top of, uh, of what church membership was intended to be, I thought maybe we could just try to get to the heart of the matter, find out what the book says, look at it biblically, commit to doing that, and then just kind of toss all the rest of it. Does that sound like a plan? All right, so what does church membership look like for a 168-hour-a-week church? And here's the first thing. Church membership is about connecting to a body. It's about connecting to a body. Now, right off the bat, that sort of flies in the face of our rugged uh, American individualism, doesn't it? We think we can do everything ourselves. We think we can do it by ourselves. We pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Like we were all born in a log cabin. We built ourselves. Y'all think about that for just a second. We think we can do it all by ourselves. No, here, here's the word of the Lord. No, you can't. You cannot do this alone. You can't do it alone in the kingdom. That's not how it was built. There's no version of Christianity where you get to do it by yourself. That lone wolf mentality, that lone wolf, lone ranger mindset is self-righteous, it's self-reliant, and eventually it's self-destructive. Whether you want to admit it or not, you need people in your life to help you serve Christ the way he intended you to serve him. There are, some, there are some edges that you have that will not get rubbed off any other way but by the shoulders of your brothers and sisters. You have got to do life with people. You have to do ministry with people. And, and I want to show it to you. I want to show you. I want you to notice the three let us statements right here in Hebrews chapter 10. Three let us statements in Hebrews 10. Verse 23 says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Here, that was the first one. Here's the second one. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, these let us statements are not suggestions. They're not suggestions. They are exhortations to action. The writer of Hebrews is telling us to do something. Let us, all of us. Well, what's the first one about? Holding to our hope and trusting in God with unwavering faith. We have to do that. Okay, how do we do that? Look at the next verse. By motivating each other to good works and acts of service and love. Okay, well, then what happens? Then we get together at every opportunity in church so we can encourage each other. Listen, this serving God thing is a team sport. It's supposed to be done together. See, we quote verse 25 all the time, and we talk about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. But let's don't forget about the power of together. The assembling together is what makes it so powerful. 
Church membership is about getting connected to a body of believers who are going to help us grow, who are going to encourage us to work, who are going to encourage us to serve, and even better, will do it right along the side of us. Jesus didn't even send his disciples out by themselves. He sent them out in pairs, and then he called everybody back together to, to talk about what happened and to teach them some more. It was all it is and has always been about the body. We saw this last week that Jesus died so that he could be the head of the church. He's the head. And we're the body. And that model is reproduced over and over again in the local church. Each local congregation is its own miniature body of Christ, and we have to be a part of it. It's how we maintain an unwavering faith in the Lord, according to Hebrews. It's how we connect to the body. Now, it's not a surface-level connection. This is not a fake it till you make it connection. This is, not, this is not that. It has to be a real connection. Let me show it to you in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 is all about the church, about the body. And I want you to see this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Verse 5 says, we are many parts of one body and we all, oh goodness, look at this. We belong to each other. We belong, you belong to me and I belong to you. We're part of the same body. Look at, at, at verse nine. Look at verse nine. Don't, don't just pretend to love each other. Really love, really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tight to what's good. Then he says it again. Love each other with genuine, verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And always eager to practice hospitality. That's what a healthy body is supposed to be. We actually have to love each other. Being part of a, uh, being a church member, being part of the body is about developing real love, real connection with each other. It's about trying to meet each other's needs. It's trying to help each other out. It's praying for each other instead of talking about them. It's about continuing to show up even when they're on your nerves. It's a connection that, that should be hard to break. Unfortunately, in this church climate that we have, people break those connections all the stinking time, right? We, we, have, name, we have a name for, we might have more than one name, but we have, we have a name for people that, that move from one place to the other, don't we? We call them church hoppers, church hoppers. They hop from one place to the other. Why? They won't stay through and pray through the hard stuff so they can get to the good stuff. 
The good stuff of any relationship is not the honeymoon. That's shallow and that passes. The good stuff is after you go through the rough spots together. You stay connected and you made it to the other side. That's where deep and fulfilling love comes from. And that's what the church hoppers miss. They, they want the honeymoon experience to last forever, and it never does. That's just not reality. Other people just give up on church altogether and just walk away. You can't do that either. You are only part of the body. You're not the whole body. You can't survive by yourself. Church membership connects you to a body. Now, what's the, what's the second thing about church membership? What's, what's it about? It's about being committed to a cause. Committed to a cause. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. You have heard this if you've been here for very long. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because of that authority, go make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. For 10 years as your pastor, I have beat this into you, haven't I? I've beat you over the head with it. And I always tell you the same thing, hoping that you'll remember it. This is the mission of this and every other Bible-believing church. We have to go make disciples. Isn't that what I say? Yes. But as I've been stewing on this series for a while, I have come to believe that maybe I have done you a disservice with that because I don't think I've taken it far enough, often enough. This is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not just the mission for Bible-believing churches. It's the mission for Bible-believing people, period. We should take it personally. Like, don't just grab the Great Commission and bring it to me and let's talk about it in a corporate setting about what the church is doing. This is our personal mission. It is my mission and it's your mission. Making disciples is our cause, not just as a church, but as followers of Jesus. When we get up in the mornings... We should remind ourselves that no matter how we make a living, our goal for the day is to make disciples. Just let that sit on you for a second. When, when our eyes pop open in the mornings, we need to recognize that we have a purpose for the day. We have a goal for the day, and that is to make disciples. And it's, it's going to look different. Right? Sometimes it's going to be about witnessing to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Sometimes it's going to be encouraging somebody who's going through a, a trial. Sometimes it's just watering the seed of the word that's already been planted in somebody else. Sometimes it's just sharing joy or sharing love or sharing patience, fruits of the Spirit that are designed for hungry people to be able to eat. All of that moves the needle on the kingdom. All of the, as believers, we have to be committed to the cause. But just because we all have the same cause doesn't mean we're going to do it the same way or even do the same thing. God built all of us different. We're all created uniquely. 
But our opening and foundational scripture says that God has given all of us something to do. That was in Ephesians 5. He has given all of you something to do. We have to find out what that is. And we have to get ready to do whatever that is. So, John, how do you do that? Church membership. That's how he, that's how he set it up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And then we're going to look at 11 and 12. However, each, there's a, there, 8 through 10 is, is a parenthetical, so I want you to see the two parts connected. However, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. You have a gift that God's given you. Now, let's look at verse, verse 11. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Any of God's people up in here? <laughs> Four people. That's wonderful. I just need to preach salvation. Um, the res- I did that last week, didn't I? Well, you missed your chance. Uh, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You come together, we come together to be equipped for service. Not to be entertained. Not to be inspired. Not to go away feeling good about yourself. Not to go away uh, ignoring the sin that's obvious in your life. Not, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to come and get equipped for service. You commit to a cause as a believer and you commit to church membership because it prepares you to fulfill it. You see, too many people see church membership like they do it membership in some other organization. Because in, in almost every other organization, it's about rights and about privileges and about what you get out of it. But we already established this a long time ago. Christianity is upside down. Christianity, what Jesus says and does is upside down to the world's thinking. Belonging is about what you bring to the body not what you get out of it. Consumerism is plaguing the church. People make make lists about what they want in a church and they compare them like they're buying a car. I I kid you not. People have said, well, I have this list and I'm just visiting. I'm just checking to see what y'all got. (laughs) They measure church by the blessing they get out of it. But what did Jesus say about blessing? He said your blessings come from giving, not from receiving. It's more blessed to give. Than to, if you want to be blessed, look at all the ways that you can contribute to the ministry, not all the ways you can consume ministry resources. God's calling us to serve and to give, and to get equipped, and to get full of his Holy Spirit, and then get busy doing what he called us to do. Ephesians 2 says, and in verse 10 says that he, equipped, he, he recreated all of us in Christ Jesus to do good works that he had already prepared for us to do. He already knows what you're supposed to be doing. He's just waiting on you to catch up, to ask him, and he'll show you. This is 180 degrees from the way most people think about church and about church membership. But we've got to get committed to the cause and the call of Christ on our lives. And church membership is how God does that and develops that 
in us. And here's the, the third thing, the church membership, biblical church membership is about being connected to a body. It's about being committed to a cause. It's about being submitted to a shepherd. Yeah, y'all go ahead and start breathing deep at this point. It's about being submitted to a shepherd. Uh, we Americans don't really like talking about submission, right? Because it sounds weak. But the Bible talks about submission all the time. It talks about submission all the time. Submission is an expression of humility. And humility and childlike, that, that childlike humility is, is the key to the kingdom according to Jesus. We, we did a series last fall about humility as the key to childlike faith. The main reason we have so much trouble in so many churches is that there's so little submission. See, when everybody's trying to get their way, God can't have his way. If God has a calling for you, a kingdom purpose for you, and he does, then don't you think he's got a plan for getting you to that purpose? Well, guess what? The church is the plan. And the leaders of the church are a big part of that in your life. Listen, they're not standing in your way. They're pointing the way for you. They're not trying to hold you back. They're trying to hold you up. That's what your church leaders are appointed to do. All through scripture, God describes himself, reveals himself as a shepherd, leading us as his sheep. Isn't that right? And, and he describes the leaders of the church uh, as shepherds as well. We work as under shepherds for the good shepherd himself. They're his sheep. Like y'all are not mine. You're his but we're charged, I'm charged with your care for as long as you're part of this flock. Now I want you to look at how Hebrews describes the work of ministry in Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders, that's, that's submission to spiritual authority, and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. That's ministry in a nutshell, to watch over your soul. And they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do it with joy and not with sorrow. You do notice that the work is the same whether it's hard or easy. The work's the same whether you like it and cooperate with it or whether you fight tooth and nail. The work's still the same. It, the, the writer says it would certainly not be for your benefit for them to have to do it with sorrow. Church membership is about coming under the watchful eye of of a caring shepherd whose God-given work is to watch over your soul. Well, what's a soul? Mind, will, emotions. That, that means that church leaders um, should make sure that you're thinking right, that you're making sound decisions, that your feelings, your emotions are healthy and submitted to the word of God. Well, how, how in the world is a church leader going to do that? then you have to have a relationship. You have to have a relationship with them. You have to give your pastor or the pastoral staff or your small group leaders, your ministry leaders, everybody who's involved in pastoral ministry, you have to give somebody access to your life. How do we say it here at Covenant Life? We have to be real. We have to be real. Drop the mask. 
pull the curtain back and do life with the leaders of your church. It is intensely personal. You're like, I don't know about all of that. It's just, that's too personal. Accountability is always personal. As a matter of fact, if it's not personal and if it's not specific, it's not accountability. You see, we think the sole job, the sole responsibility of a pastor is to feed the flock. And certainly that's a big part of it, right? Because sheep starve to death. If you don't feed them, you don't lead them to green pastures and you don't lead them to still waters, that, that's, that's not good. But that's not the only danger to the health and well-being of a sheep. A pastor who takes seriously the scriptural mandate to watch over your soul is also going to point out heresy, the dangers of false teaching and false prophets. They're also going to point out faulty thinking processes. They're going to point out poor decision making. They're going to point out the wounds of your soul that are poisoning your life. And some of that can be addressed from the pulpit. But listen... Some of that is so specific to the individual that it's going to have to come from one-on-one loving correction. When we have real relation, we have real uh, conversations about what's going on in your life. When you're looking for a church, and I don't want to presume that everybody here is, is Covenant Life folks. And we got, I know we got folks from all over the southeast here today for one reason or the other. When you're looking for a church... Listen for God to reveal the voice of your shepherd. I want, I want to say that again, and I'm going to explain what I mean. When you're looking for a church, please throw your list away. Put that thing down before you hurt yourself. And listen for the voice of your shepherd. Here's what I mean. We had a couple who left the church one time, and they told a member of the staff... Well, we knew after a few weeks that if we were going to stay at Covenant Life, we were going to have to feed ourselves because there just wasn't enough coming from the pulpit. I wasn't feeding them. I had another person tell me a few months ago, um, every time I come here, it takes me a month to get over your messages. It, it, I, it takes me a month to digest your messages. They're, they're just so deep. Well, what's the difference? The difference is this. I'm not everybody's pastor. I'm just not. Some sheep are going to belong to me and some people are, some sheep are not. Jesus said of himself as the good shepherd, he said, my sheep know my voice and they're not going to follow anybody else. That's true of shepherding in general. It's a principle of, of shepherding because the shepherd could just walk to the, the, a, a stall where there's multiple flocks and call for his sheep and only his sheep come. It's a remarkable thing. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd and the other, she, the other sheep won't follow. You, have you ever uh, shared a message with a friend and it was like life-changing for you and it was kind of underwhelming for them? Why is that? Because you're hearing the voice of your shepherd. They're just hearing a stranger. So when you're looking for a church, ask the Lord to help you to know the voice of your shepherd when you hear it. I've heard people say, well, listen, church is just too messy. All those people are kind of uh, irritating to deal with, so I'm just going to stay at home. I can just stay at home and watch church on TV. I, I've heard people say, Robert Morris is my pastor. 
Stephen Furtick is my pastor. If, you know, I mean, fill in the blank with who, you know, whoever your favorite person is, is Jensen or Jakes or Joyce Meyer, whoever, you're, whoever the deal is. And listen, these, these, are, these are wonderful men and women of God. And they can all preach up a storm. You're going, that's way better than you're going to find here or most any other place. They are extremely gifted, and they may be your teacher. But listen, they are not your pastor. They might feed you, but they're not watching over your soul. There's a difference. I'm not saying they don't watch over the flock of their church or that you can't do it online or or on TV. I'm saying that if all you're doing is listening to them preach, they are not your pastor. And some of you might think, well, I mean, I can't believe somebody would think they watch somebody on TV that that's their pastor. Listen, how is that different from going to a church building every week, listening to the message, but never actually engaging with the pastor or with a member of, uh, of the pastoral staff. If, if they have no access to your life, if you never expose your heart to, to the pastor or to the staff, then how is that any better from watching it on TV from three states away? Y'all are sitting here. I thought you might say amen to that. There are people who are connected with us only online. Okay, they don't. They have not, for whatever reason, been here to the church for at least two years. Some, some more than that. So, but, but they, they contact us, us for prayer. They tell us what's going on in their lives. They, they share what's going on in theirs. They're engaged. They're engaged. I'm their pastor. This is their church. It's a beautiful thing, and we're so grateful for the technology that allows people to do that. And then there are people who show up uh, right at church time, maybe a little after, and then hit the door by the, by the E and amen. Like, they ain't never heard the N. <laughs> as far as I know, I say amen. And, and they're gone, man. And they don't connect with anybody. Don't confuse church attendance with church membership. You have to get engaged. You have to get connected. John, what's the big deal? Why is it that, well, what's the big deal about letting all of these church leaders in my business? I can keep myself on track. I'll correct myself. I can listen to messages and then tell myself what I need to do. (laughs) The The simple answer to that is, no, you can't. John Maxwell, leadership guru, says, the hardest person you'll ever try to lead is yourself. Why? Because you cut yourself too much slack. You judge everybody else by their actions and you judge yourself by your intentions. You say, well, John, listen, it's easy. I'm just going to follow my heart. Jeremiah 17 says, your heart is desperately wicked and and deceitful above all things. Following your heart is a terrible idea. Humans have this uncanny ability to deceive themselves. You can't hold yourself accountable. You have to have somebody else to do that. By definition, it has to be somebody else. We should all be accountable to somebody. That's how church works. That's how the body of Christ works. The leaders submit themselves to God, and the members submit themselves to the leaders. It's mutual accountability, but you have to submit to a shepherd somewhere. Valerie had a 
my wife, she's in the nursery, keeping the nursery today. Uh, she had a friend one time a few years ago who was talking to her about a problem that was going on in her life. And she mentioned that she might want to talk to me about it. And Valerie said, well, have you talked to your own pastor about it? And she said, oh, good Lord, no. She said, I would never trust him with an issue like this. If you can't trust your pastor with issues that affect your soul, you need another pastor. But if you just won't trust your shepherd with your soul, you either need to seek healing for whatever that past, those previous pastors did to you, or you need to seek forgiveness. Because you have to submit to a shepherd. And listen, I, I understand that um, way too many pastors have violated this sacred trust. I, I get it. They may have broken your confidence. They may have used your failures against you. They might have taken your vulnerabilities and manipulated you with them. There are, there's just no end to the ways that church leaders uh, have failed their members. This scripture that we just read um, makes it clear that those men and women are accountable to God himself. And, and, and I hope that thought doesn't bring you pleasure, but I hope it does bring you some peace that God sees and God knows and God always defends. There is justice, if not in this world, in the world to come. But those devastating experiences that people have been through don't change the truth of the word. And they don't change the reality of every human need. You need someone to whom you can be accountable. All of us do. Someone you can share your life with. Someone who will lead you and feed you. Someone who will protect and direct and, yes, even correct when you need it. Who else do you have in your, in your life who is called and equipped by God himself just to watch over your soul? Who else is going to do that? This whole submission to authority thing is really a sub submission to a shepherd thing. It's not even about authority. Submitting to a, a shepherd um, is a hard thing for some people to swallow. And as I, uh, I felt like the Lord had shared something or gave me something over the, through the week and I just jotted it down. It wasn't a part of the message. I got here this morning and, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to share it. There is a, there, have y'all ever, you understand what I mean by spiritual arrogance? That's one of the ways that church leaders abuse their sheep is through spiritual arrogance. Um. And, and here, but it doesn't have to be a pastor. Lots of people are spiritually arrogant. Here's what that looks like. And, and I want you to understand it's a cycle. So a person who's spiritually arrogant, every biblical opinion they have is held as a spiritual conviction. Like it's everything they think, they think it comes from God. And then every person who makes a counterpoint, every counterpoint to that thought is just heresy, right? And every attempt at correction is received as persecution. 
And then when they feel like they're being persecuted over this thing that they swear God told them, it reinforces their commitment to the original premise. It is truly a vicious cycle. And if you don't have a shepherd in your life, if you don't have somebody in your life that you trust enough to, to listen to them when they tell you you're wrong, then you got a, you got a tough road ahead of you. And you're very likely to fall into this cycle of spiritual arrogance. And, and, and if you don't submit to somebody on this earth, then that leaves you to finding out you're wrong when you stand before the throne. And that's not the time you want to do it. So church membership is not about, it's not about keeping you under somebody's thumb. It's about watching over your soul. And finding out on this side what's going on in your life. So listen, I just want you to, I just want you to understand church membership is not just important. It's biblical. It's biblical. And in this series, remember, we're trying to reset our understanding of church. We're trying to get everything on solid scriptural foundation. Not doing something just out of routine or habit or because we've always done it, but truly understanding what it is we're supposed to be doing. If we're going to be a church that moves the needle on the kingdom of God 168 hours a week, and I believe that's what he's calling us to do, then it's going to require connection. It's going to require commitment. It's going to require submission. We're going to have to lock arms. We're going to have to get all the parts of the body in the right place. We're going to have to start moving forward together as one body. We're going to have to be real and relational and reaching so we can go make disciples of Jesus in our lives and as a church. So here's what I'm asking you today. Here's, here's the next steps. Here's the altar call, if you will. First of all, ask God what church you're supposed to be a part of. Ask God what church you're supposed to be a part of. Ask him to show you your people, show you your place, show you your pastor. And then once he shows you, join that church and get busy. Once you know you're where you're supposed to be, get after it. We've got something God's called us to do. Let's get busy doing it. And then when you do join that church, you get busy. Or if you're already a member of the church where you know God wants you to be, ask God to show you if you're actually submitting to the shepherd, if you're actually opening up your life, if you're actually engaging and pushing forward with the mission and vision of the church and what God's called you to. And then here's the last thing that, that, that all of us can do. Ask yourself, do you wake up every morning with a kingdom purpose? Do you wake up every morning with this sense that this is the day the Lord's made? And I'm not just going to be rejoice and be glad in it, but I'm going to be busy in it. That you feel the responsibility and the privilege of working in the kingdom. The privilege of the Great Commission. Y'all stand with me, please. See, that's why I had these little magnet things made and these keychains. Because I just, I want you to put them everywhere till they, till they annoy you. I want you to get tired of seeing them. But I want them to remind you that there's 168 hours this week. This is the first day of the week, right? So we got 168 hours to deal with. What are we going to do for the kingdom of God? Because in just a minute, we're going to leave. Is that the last time we're going to worry about the kingdom of God until next Sunday? 
So listen, we're gonna, we're, the team's going to sing a song. And this altar is open. This altar is always open. If there's something you want to pray about, you come and pray. If you've got something going on, it doesn't have to be about this message. If you've got a relationship issue, you've got a, a, a physical need in your body, you've got a big decision coming up, whatever it is you want to pray about, come pray. But spend some time today before we, before we run for the exits and try to beat the Baptist to the Cracker Barrel. Y'all know y'all do be racing the Baptist and stuff. What? Don't put the sticker on your car, man. I don't want them to know. Before we go running for the door, spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to show you what's going on in your life and whether or not you are truly connected to the body. Father, thank you for your word today and I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that he draws us. I thank you that he searches us and reveals to us what's really going on in our lives. And I pray that we are humble enough to hear it and receive it. Father, I pray that you would uh, deal with all of us wherever we are in our relationship with you. Lord, I know that when you call people to this altar, you're going to meet them here and you're going you're to do and move in their lives uh, what they need. And I just thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.